0: Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com, where Out of Print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs, any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell your old gaming products that you aren't using anymore. Today, we're talking about the announcement of Tyranny of Dragons, magic items, and healing in D&D Next. I'm your host and roundtable creator, James Intricasso. You can find me on Twitter, at James Intricasso. With me today at the roundtable are Vegas Lancaster. Hey! Oh, hi! (laughs) Rudy Basso. Yo. And Alex Basso. Hello! All right, guys, and today's get-to-know-you question for the panel is, who is your favorite character you've played in any tabletop RPG? And Alex Basso, we're starting with you.
1: All right, so my answer is Varn, which is my first next wizard. He's my favorite character, not for combat reasons, for, but for role-playing uh, region, region, uh, excuse me, reasons. Uh, Varn was my first character after playing a couple times kind of as the straight guy. You know, good person who I decided to make kind of a complete dick. And it just felt so uh, I don't know, empowering to be able to really just do what I want without worrying about what, what my party members felt
0: about it. Whatever I felt was like good, I just did. Words.
1: Had some memorable moments with him. <laughs>
0: yes. Indeed. I too am a big fan of Varn. How about you, Vegas? Who's your favorite Uh, character you've ever played at a table? uh,
2: One time I was sitting down to a game and had to make a character real quick. So I I picked up, we were playing with those D&D minis that they were putting out. uh, And I was just going to pick up a mini and make a character based on what it looked like. Uh, And I picked up this little chubby farmer (laughs) holding a spear in one hand and a pig in the other. I don't know why they made this miniature, but I made Captain Lagrangio. (laughs) Um, Well, the the farmer, his name was Francis, uh, but the pig he was carrying was Captain Lagrangio, uh, who he believed to be a famous tactician warlord who was turned into a pig and could only speak to him. Uh, And it was unclear whether that was true or not.
0: (laughs) Uh, And ladies and gentlemen, you now see what I deal with as a DM. Uh, Rudy Basso. We did a Dark Sun
3: one shot. And one shot means like do whatever you want as far as I'm concerned. Be crazy. (laughs) So vampire had just come out as a class. And so I decided to make a, a character that used to be human was turned into a vampire And decided as a vampire, he must have a new name. So he was Vampiro the Vampire King. (laughs) Self-proclaimed. And he commanded everyone to do things for him and things like that. But uh, it was a lot of fun to just be a stupid, silly character. (laughs) And vampire was really neat. So... Bonus. (laughs) Bonus.
0: <laughs> I DM'd all three of these characters and I have to say, despite my earlier comment, it actually was a blast. Uh, and that is why I still play with these guys to this day. So why don't we get rolling on our first topic. Tyranny of Dragons was announced. It's the next Sundering-like event that's going to be cross many platforms of D&D. Looks like they're going to introduce it on mobile games and probably some of the MMOs and certainly... At events that involve the tabletop game we are all here to talk about. It looks like it takes place in Forgotten Realms and it revolves mainly around a cult trying to get five chromatic dragons, one of each color, to do something so that they can free Tiamat from the nine hells. I am pretty pumped about this. I think it's a good representation of the way Next wants to use dragons as big time special villains, uh, not people that you're fighting every other session. So I can't wait to play. I can't wait to see the adventures that are coming out. And I'm wondering if it also means that by the time it comes out, we're also maybe going to see a more complete edition of the rules that we're all waiting for. Are you as pumped as I am, Rudy Basso?
3: I was really excited with this announcement. And not because I didn't like the way they dealt with dragons in 4th but it is vastly different. I, I definitely uh, believe that in 4th Edition... Dragons were a bit more common, and I, I we were just talking about this before, but we were fighting and slaying our first dragon at fifth level, and that was awesome. In fourth edition, it was about making your character feel really powerful, and that was a perfect way to do it. You slew a dragon, fifth level, crazy. But having played that for a while, it is now exciting to me to go back to dragons being really something special, and I think this event is going to be awesome, and I would love... To fight a dragon with a small army because that's what you need to fight a dragon you need a ton of dudes not just a party of six
0: i completely agree with that statement i love an impassioned rudy basso i agree with <laughs> alex basso
1: yeah i i'm gonna agree i mean i'm gonna miss killing dragons early as you know they're special but i always felt like uh fourth ed did a good job of separating, you know, weaker dragons from ancient ones. I mean, I didn't feel like anything was taken away from the situation because, um, you know, when I fought my first ancient dragon because I killed one, you know, 20 levels before, it was still impressive when James dropped that 9x9 miniature on the table. Like, I won't oh, forget that moment.
3: Miniature, quote-unquote. Quote. <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: m- uh, medium <laughs> I mean, uh So, you know, I- I'm going to be a little disappointed if this means I won't be seeing dragons consistently throughout my campaign. I mean, there's always... No matter how weak it is for me, like, dragons are the quintessential fantasy enemy, and I just always enjoy killing them.
0: Well, and it's not to say you won't see dragons of different age categories. I think that's very classic d and I think people will be upset if they don't see that, but I do think that next, based on a lot of the columns that have come out by Merles and the whole rule of special monsters with fantastical lairs and things, I think their intent will be for dragons to be a thing that you build up to, and a thing that's really special. Vegas, how about you? How do you feel about the tyranny of dragons?
2: Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to say how I feel about it. It's just an announcement for uh, what's basically a big marketing event at this point. Um, uh, you know, what's a storyline event in, in a game where Uh, 100,000 people are making up Their own stories in their own homes Uh, I don't know I don't know how much that actually means Uh, But if you want to talk about Dragons, let's do it Uh I think uh, it'll be cool if they're going in this um, direction you guys are talking about with a a stronger, more powerful, maybe more wizardly kind of dragon. I remember in older editions, dragons had spell levels, and I kind of imagined them as almost hyper-powerful wizards who also happen to be giant, terrible monsters, uh, and that's cool.
0: Yes, I would love to see some hyper-powerful wizard lizards slinging magic, breathing on people, flying around using their claws, slapping their tails, taking a bite out of adventurers. I think that would make them feel great. And I think that's what this event is going to give us. So I think we all agree it's going to be great. Why don't we take a break and hear a word from our sponsor, NobleKnight.com. Noble Knight is a long-standing game store specializing in finding out-of-print games while also
2: offering the newest great releases. Including D&D? They got it from any edition. That's right, all of them. What if I want a board game? Card game minis or dice? Noble Knight has it all and at a discounted price. In fact, Noble Knight has over 30,000 unique items on stock. And you know you can trust this Better Business Bureau accredited store... With a satisfaction guarantee. Yeah, but I've bought too many things over the years. How can I justify spending even more? Good thing we're talking about Noble Knight, then. They'll buy your old gaming things and offer you cash or trade. So you'll be able to keep up with all the great gaming stuff you want. Check them out at noblenight.com. Wow, I'll go
0: today. And be sure to tell them the Tome Show sent you. So now I want to talk about magic items in D&D next. There was an article recently put out by James Wyatt that talked about the number of magic items they're expecting characters to gain throughout their entire adventuring career in Next. And the number he threw out was six to eight for a medium regular magic level campaign. Uh, Maybe a little bit more for a higher magic campaign. Maybe like one to three for a low magic campaign. Obviously, D&D Next has this bounded accuracy system which allows you to pick up a plus one dagger at level one and still have it be relevant when you're level 20. So, looking at the packet, which has a couple of magic items in it right now, they're going to probably grow that list by the time the official rules come out and include advice for DMs on how to make their own and... Throw around some customizable elements, things like that. How do you guys feel looking at the magic items? They're very different from the past edition. Not so different from you know uh, 3.5 and below editions. What do you guys think when you're looking at them? Uh, they're more powerful, it seems like. They're a lot of fun. You can get more creative with them. Some of them are a little bit game-breaking, which may not be the best thing in the world. So, Vegas, we'll start with you. How are you feeling about these magic items, bud?
2: Uh, listeners, if you guys have not looked over the D&D Next packet and looked through the magic items, uh, if you are a fan of magic items and older versions of D&D, You're going to love it. They've got, uh, they really, it looks like, tried to put in all the old fan favorites. You've got the necklace of fireballs. You've got the ring of the ram. You've got the portable hole. If you drop a bag of holding into the portable hole, it causes an explosion and destroys both of them. All those weird, classic, fun elements of magic items. Uh, They're here, and I'm excited about them and uh, magic items as rare, unusual things that you only get a few of and they're really important uh, really strikes me as great design, uh, one of the greatest
0: changes they're making for D&D Next. That is quite the endorsement, and I have to say I'm pretty pumped that the Rod of Lordly Might is back in all its lordly glory. Alex Basso, how do you feel about magic items in D&D Next overall?
1: (laughs) I mean... I like the change for magic items, but I think, you know, it's more of the fact to do with the bounded accuracy system that I like so much Uh, because, you know, now that you're not raising your attack bonus every level and you're, you know, crazy at level 30 compared to what you were when you started, because of that, they were able to eliminate, you know, maybe more than half of the magic items that there were because you don't have to constantly be. Getting the latest plus, you know, need at whatever level you're required. You don't have to worry about that anymore. So I love the fact that whenever you pick something up, you're probably going to have it till the end of the game. And uh, the items themselves, um, I mean, it is still a small amount right now, but everything there, there's good variety between the items, uh, and all the all the effects seem very powerful.
0: It's nice to see that the math is going to work out no matter what. Here's what I wonder: damage reduction requires you to have a silver weapon for when you're fighting werewolves, and a cold iron weapon for when you're fighting devils, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, You have to be like Casey Jones from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and have a whole bag full of different weapons that you can sling out at any time. What do you think of that approach, Alex, do you want to be able to have that kind of thing, or do you think that if you have a magic weapon, it shouldn't matter what metal it's made out of? You should be able to use that against. No, I,
1: I love uh, different weapons. Um, I mean, it, I just one, I just think it's badass for a character to have like three swords on his back, all for different situations. <laughs> but um, it just, it, you know, it adds another layer to the game. How, you know, what are you going to come up against? How prepared does your party get? And it makes the enemies, I think, a little more interesting. You know, not everything's the same. You know, this creature naturally has a resistance to this type of metal. I think it adds a lot. And it's, you know, it's not that big of a hump to get over. Like, if it's something you're worried about as a player, um, you know, just bring another sword. So I, I like it. I think it's cool.
0: Cool. Cool. Rudy, how are? You, what are your thoughts overall on magic items? In yeah, I'm going
3: to... The- piggyback off of something Alex said you know when we were going into fourth ed both he and I came from a lot of uh, video game backgrounds we played Diablo and a lot of um, MMOs and so it felt right at home to be collecting a new weapon every level every two levels which gave you more damage so and and much like dragons it's really cool to see this different kind of gameplay style where where items are very rare and getting one is really special but i will admit um i will miss the idea of uh, the image in my mind's eye of seeing my character just completely decked out with the most awesome stuff like he's got an awesome cloak he's got two wands in his hand he's carrying the craziest boots so I- i'm gonna miss that but again it'll be really cool to see in my mind's eye my rest of the party having one special thing so I like the old way, I like the new way too. I'm 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 like I'm a guy who likes everything in this case.
1: Opposed <laughs> well, to the guy who really doesn't like Who everything.
0: hates everything.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I have to say I do think it feels a little bit more like Lord of the Rings when you only have a Ooh, couple yeah, magic items person. as opposed to when you're decked out kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Commando with all this fancy gear they are going to use to go mess up some guys. But I think that brings me to a good question, which is, what do you think is an ideal number or target for uh, the number of magic items that a PC should have in a 20 level adventuring career? Like I said, James Wyatt recommends six to eight I think that's a nice round number. Sometimes I wonder if it should be even lower to make it feel really special. And should those items that you're getting be replacing things? Should you be constantly getting new armor? You know, Should you get, if you have six magic items over the course of your career, should two or three of those be armor? Should two or three of those be a weapon? Or do you think it should be different things and you're always going to have that sword? So if the fighter found his sword at first level and it was plus one, great. Or if he found his sword at first level and it was plus three, even better. What do you think, Rudy? I'm going to say at no point
3: should you ever be replacing an item with a new or more awesome item. I think that 6 to 8 might even be too many. Per adventurer, I would I would scale it down even lower. And I would drop items that more than one adventurer in your party can use too. Because I really like the idea of being like, all right, we got to seriously stop and think who's going to wear who's going to wear this or who's going to wield this item.
0: Well, and I think that's a good point, because then you can also have a cool item that people are throwing around during battle. Hey, yeah. toss me that rod or that staff. and that would I, be you know. Dope. Yeah, I think that would be great if you're going up against a fire-breathing dragon. Maybe there's a shield of fire resistance that's getting thrown from fighter to cleric to rogue, you know, so people can block the flames of the dragon. And I think there are a lot of items, such as a portable hole, for instance, Everybody doesn't need a portable hole. One portable hole is probably going to be good enough for the party.
3: Oh, you'd be surprised
0: <laughs> <laughs> Vegas. What's your ideal number of magic items for players to get?
2: Uh, that's a tough question to answer. Um, uh, I would say it's, it's fun to get magic items. Uh, and I see where that six to eight number is coming from. Cause then you're all getting special stuff. Uh, Maybe once every few sessions is what that would amount to. I agree that I don't want everyone to be fully decked out in one, you know, you have to fill all your weapon slot, your armor slot, your accessory slot, and then you replace all of those. I I don't think we need to do that. Um, I, I think it'd be neat to have a magic item for some number of levels and then it goes away. And then you get something else rather than having a whole bunch of magic items at the same time.
0: So you kind of are into this replacement idea of magic items.
2: Yeah, not so much that, uh, you know, I have my plus one sword. Now I'm throwing it out because I found my plus two sword. But more like, well, that sword got stolen or it broke or some sort of... I, I, I like the idea of magic items having a connection to the story.
3: Uh, I just wanted to say that with the rarity of these magical items, it just occurred to me that uh, your quest could just be, guys, let's find a magical item. And I think that's really cool (laughs) that uh, your goal is just to find something unique. And that's it. That's that's all you guys are doing. And that adds a lot of interesting ideas for a DM, I think.
0: Yes, absolutely. Trying to find interesting items, I think, makes... Your average dungeon delve of we're a group of mercenaries and we're just in this for the gold and for whatever we find more exciting. Because all adventurers in previous editions, particularly third and fourth, were finding tons of magic items wherever they went. Uh, The other thing is that with the gold you get in Next, because you shouldn't be able to buy magic items in every corner magic shop, the gold can be used... Towards future endeavors like buying a home, building a keep, starting a guild, bribing sleazy politicians, that kind of thing to appoint you to a judgeship. Whatever it is you want to use the gold for, which I think is also pretty cool that you can build lasting things with your money rather than I need to save this because I'm going to need it eventually to buy the plus five version of the plus four thing I have now.
1: I was just going to say I agree with that. Uh, even, you know, I, I always held my money for, you know, saving up for an item. And I, I just remember being really mad at Rudy one time because he decided to spend his money in lore purposes to open a school as his wizard character. (laughs) I'm like, what are you doing? You're missing out on all these great items. Why (laughs) why are you doing
0: that? Yeah. And that's true. And you would be penalized because the math of the game depended on you spending that gold on items for yourself. And, you know, and then you had to figure out ways if you were the DM and somebody was a selfless character who was giving all their money to the poor or to a temple or that kind of thing, you had to figure out a way to make sure that they were still getting all of the items they needed for the game to be balanced. And I like this method of doing it. I I think it really does come back to the bounded accuracy system, Alex. I think you're right. Alex, speaking of which, what is your uh, ideal number of items?
1: uh i like um you know having actual um backup weapons or not backup you know so like we we're talking before of so silver different types of swords i like being able to have a character that has different types of magic weapons for multiple situations so you know six to eight seems good i'm i'm okay with higher um just because the you know the items you get here uh they're they're so different that you know you're not always gonna have it, like a if it, you can have multiple items of the same slot, and you could definitely, you know, there's situations where you might like one or the other. Um, while, like, it's would say, in the past, um, like, in my last character in fourth edition, once I basically chose my core set of items, I just kept updating them, um, you know, from plus one, plus two, plus three, and I never really felt the need to switch. With the properties and these weapons being so different and also a little more powerful, I can definitely see a character who will switch magic items based on the situation or what he thinks he's going to be going into.
0: Absolutely, and I think the way monsters are built, they require you to occasionally switch weapons or tactics, which is also pretty interesting. It's not just hack and slash everything.
2: Uh, Since we were talking about gold a moment ago, I think the economics of less magic items makes way more sense because you would have magic items that you know would belong to say a level 13 or 14 adventurer and they would be worth you know 15 or 20,000 gold and according to the dungeon master's guide, that's how much a fisherman makes in his entire life, and you're just chucking them aside when you find a new item. Uh, So, I I will be happy to not be doing that so much.
0: Yeah, and I think they even said that, uh, I remember reading a post somewhere about why they weren't offering prices as a default for magic items, and that they would for high magic settings where that is available, such as Eberron. If you were a magic shop and you were buying up magic items or selling out magic items, it kind of broke the local economy. Uh, Let's move on to our final topic, healing and dying in D&D Next. Right now, the default is that you completely heal overnight or whenever you take a long extended rest, which has to be eight hours of, you know, inactivity. Resting, not doing anything else. If somebody attacks you in the middle of the night, you have to start over, that kind of thing. Still, do you guys feel like that is too good? Or for game reasons, do you think it makes sense and it keeps everybody happy and moving? Do you prefer some of the more realistic modules that they have put out where maybe you only heal your level plus your con mod or... You, uh, you only heal if you have more than half your hit points left, and if you don't have more than half your hit points left, you only heal up to half. What do you guys think about those mechanics? Do you prefer that, or do you prefer the, I wake up and I'm fine because it just keeps the game moving? Rudy, let's start with you.
3: Uh, I prefer I wake up and I'm fine. Just... It keeps the game, I mean, you said it exactly, keeps the game moving. It's less things to, to remember. Usually at the end of the session, you'll find yourself taking that extended rest, which means if you get all your health back, you don't have to worry about how much health you had last time, because uh, you might forget if you don't you know, make a mark or whatever. So I'm, I'm all for getting all your health back after you go to sleep. I will say, though, that I do like that the short rest time has been extended from 15 minutes to one hour, I think that means that you don't heal as much during the day, and that's cool. You know, uh, I can think of a moment where you're in a dungeon where 15 minutes is a good amount of time to rest. But if it's one hour, you might not be able to have that time to rest and, and heal yourselves back up. You're going to have to keep going down to the dungeon, and that uh, that makes the game more lethal in all modalities, I feel.
0: Sure, and there's always that wandering monster who can come in when you're taking that hour rest to uh, screw you up and make you have to start over. Vegas, what about you? How do you like to heal? Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, I would agree with uh, uh, with you there, Rudy. I think I want to I wanna go to sleep and wake up feeling totally fine, no matter what I did that day. Uh, and maybe that's because we've got magical healing involved. You know, you can kind of justify it with the mechanics of the game. Um, I'd be interested to try playing. Maybe a uh, for a while, with these other uh, more lethal or more dangerous uh, limited healing modules, I think that might be fun to experiment with. But in general, I think I want to go to bed and wake up with uh, my axe wound perfectly healed.
0: Would you prefer uh, some sort of wound system? I believe that's probably going to be a module as well where... Maybe you get the tips of your fingers cut off or you lose an eye or something like that when you take a really big hit. Uh, Is that something you think would be interesting to see?
2: And that might be fun for uh, uh, maybe if you were playing a shorter campaign. I mean, D&D is a game where there's so much combat. If you were doing that in, in every battle, you know, you'd be uh weird broken down hobos after three sessions uh if you were losing eyes and fingers in every fight but maybe if if you do that very sparingly or at storyline moments that would be fun or like i said if you were playing a short campaign just playing for a few sessions that might be
0: interesting to play with too in a more lethal walking dead type world Sure, like Dark Sun, I think using gritty, more realistic healing and wound systems is right up the alley of that campaign setting. Alex Basso, how do you like your healing?
1: Uh, you know, I've never, I've never actually played it, but I'd love, I'd love a campaign that had very limited, limited healing, uh, in between extended rests. And I just like the idea of, you know, I definitely would play my character so differently if I knew every combat was going to have lasting effects. And, you know, it's just, I feel like it would involve much more planning, much more diplomacy.
3: Much more retreating.
1: Much, Yeah, much more retreating. But it would just be, it'd be such a different game that that's something I definitely would like to experience sometime. Um, but, you know, for, for how I play our games now, I like, you know, not having to worry about keeping my stats in between rests and just coming back at full health. Yeah, with my modules, I also would be, Another thing I was thinking is maybe uh, a module that kind of like a wound system but not permanent like say you were at 5 health out of 50 and you took a rest, you came back the next day at full health but with some sort of penalty for that entire day. I think something like that would be cool where you you were penalized a little bit but not too much where you're permanently losing a limb.
0: I think that's actually a really cool idea. You should make a module like that and maybe we can (laughs) play with it.
1: Your character could be limping for the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speed. So your speed is less or something, yeah.
0: yeah? Yeah, your speed is less, or, you know, if you were hit in the face, maybe your vision's a little blurry. That kind of thing would be fun to play around with. I would actually like to play, I think, in a more gritty healing world as well. I agree with Vegas and Rudy that it would be cool for a shorter amount of time. I think going through a whole 20 levels with that, <laughs> people are just going to get annoyed by the math, and there's going to be. Could- a lot of running away and stuff. <laughs>
1: we could make bets on whose characters would still
0: be alive by the end.
1: Who so would go <laughs> the longest?
2: It'd be neat to have a, uh, uh, maybe a villain who had a very evil magic weapon that um, imposed different healing rules on you when he hit you with it. Like, you don't recover from this wound. Uh, that'd be badass. Yeah, James, write that down.
0: Yeah, I am, believe me. And when you face him, remember that Vegas came the with him. (laughs) Thank you, Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, let me ask you guys then, along the lines of healing and dying, do you enjoy save or die as a mechanic? I enjoy this mechanic when it's used sparingly. I think if you use too much save or die... Your players just hate playing with you and it's not fun for them because you put a lot of time and energy into these characters and into building them up and if it can kill your 100 hit point barbarian just with one shot and a failed saving throw, then I can understand why people are upset. What do you think of save or die and what do you think of an optional mechanic? For instance, if a creature reduces you to half your hit points and then can use a save or die mechanic, but can't use it if you're at above half your hit points. Is that appealing to you? Uh I know that you guys are really not as much on board with Save or Die. Uh but Rudy, let's start with you.
3: Yeah, I'm as you put it, not on board. I don't like Save or Die mechanic. Uh I feel that being killed in one hit makes you like some peasant or a commoner. Even if it's a special attack, an adventurer or a hero should be able to take the brunt of it, at least one and, and dodge it or or be able to walk away. I do think that I, I would be will. I mean uh, we had one example in our next game where it happened or where, where you had modified it so it doesn't happen and after hearing that it was save or die initially I got really upset because my guy would have been dead and uh, that's not fun to die because you you the dice have deemed it so. Uh, I will say that I think that maybe if you're less than half health and something like a beholder shoots a death ray and that hits you and it kills you, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I have a lot of investment in my characters and it's really disappointing to see them go out like a bunk as a, uh, as Samuel Jackson would say. <laughs> and, um, it's just disappointing if that's the
0: case. Vegas. Do you think it's fun to die if the dice deem it? So,
2: well, there's uh, uh you know, uh- there's a lot of different ways to play this game. The The way we a, as a group tend to play is very long campaigns, very uh, epic storylines, and we're very invested in our characters. But not everybody's going to play that way. Uh, you know, some people are in it for the exciting dungeon delve where the characters are a little more disposable and you've got a backup ready and dying is something that happens and is fun and surprising um so whether save or die works for you i think depends on how your group plays and what your campaign is about uh for guys like us i don't think save or die makes sense i think it's stupid but if we were doing um if we were playing in a different style, uh, just a, a big dungeon delve, something like that, I think Save or Die does have its place there.
1: I'm okay with uh, Save or Dies, um, like sparingly and in situations that I believe the players could prevent. Um, just as an example, I remember one time uh, in our last fourth edition campaign, I was playing a barbarian, um, and we were waiting as our flying avenger was... Uh, taking all of our party members over a pool of acid that was about 20 feet long and me being an impatient, extremely athletic barbarian decided I was going to try to jump that pool. Um, I didn't make it and I landed in it and you being a nice DM didn't kill me right away. Well, I would have thinking about it now, like I would be more than fine if you told me that my character had to make a save or die check. Like situations like that where a player uh, makes a stupid decision that definitely could kill you in real life, I- I'm fine with save or die rules being implemented there. I don't like, like random attacks that come out of nowhere or it's just save or you're dead. Um, I-, I want a, character be- or a player to be able to prevent that.
0: Sure, and I think that's what Rudy was saying. I had rolled on a table and a purple worm came out of the ground and it was a save or die.
3: Um, a Tomb of Horrors Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, Which was why I had changed it Rather than kill you, you had to fight your way Out of the insides of the Worm, so it was still dangerous It was still a fun, unexpected thing But I think you would have Been upset, and it wouldn't really have The story wouldn't have gained anything By your <laughs> random death At the hands of <laughs> a rolled encounter <laughs> You know uh, But I do think you're right, I think you Sparingly I think when you know you're going into it and you can s- know that this enemy has that ability, it amps up the height of gameplay and makes everybody, you know, your endor- your endorphins rush. I think it's the same thing as now that magic items are going to be coming more sparingly, they're going to feel more special. Now that dragons seem to have the intent of being used more sparingly, they're going to feel special. I think the save or die mechanic works the same way that use sparingly. It will feel special. It will feel exciting. It's not going to feel the same way necessarily a magic item will, but it will be a cool thing for players.
1: So D D next is a game about moderation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for this podcast. Rudy, where can people find you?
3: Hey, you can check me out at Twitter at rudy basso r-u-d-y-b-a-s-s-o see me tweet at d-level celebrities and <laughs> fail to get a response cool <laughs> <laughs> or you can check out my sketch comedy group cows come home comedy.com and see some videos that failed to catch the internet's attention they're still funny though i like them and i'm proud of them so
0: Yes, you should absolutely check out those videos. They are hilarious, as are Rudy's tweets at D-List Celebrities. (laughs) Vegas, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter, too, uh, at Vegas
2: Lancaster. Uh, Vegas, like the city, and Lancaster, like the less popular city. Uh, And I'm also in Philadelphia on Friday nights with the Philly N Crowd. Uh, You can find us at phillyncrowd.com.
3: And if you go up to Vegas after the show and say, you're there because you heard this
2: podcast, he'll buy you a hot dog. Dude, I would be so pumped if you, the listener, did that.
0: And you can find me on Twitter, at James Intracasso. That's J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Sorry about it. It's my given name and uh you can check out my blog which is all about the fifth edition world that i'm building for these guys to play in it's at worldbuilderblog.me all right guys thanks for listening and thanks to vegas alex and rudy also many thanks to jeff Griner for letting us join the tome show lineup Our theme music was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. You can leave us a comment about the show on the Tomes website. Let us know how you feel about the topics we're talking about. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.